0: You know, I'm sure back 2,000 years ago when Christ was born, they didn't have computers, screens, hymn books, that everybody's like on the same page, and they didn't have two Advent readings to mix up the kids, but they just worshiped. And so we're glad you're here today to worship with us. And This Sunday before Christmas, sort of prepare our hearts for what's going to happen in a few days. So we're so glad you uh, chose to worship with us this morning as a church family. I just pray that you've been blessed so far by the music, by scripture reading, just by seeing maybe somebody you haven't seen in a while. Or seeing somebody you see all the time and just seeing them again. What a blessing it is. Uh, to see Bill and Bonnie here, you guys have gone through so much health wise. Tracy, for sharing that. Um, happy 40th wedding anniversary to the Modens there. There's a lot of praises, a lot of cool things, and so it's awesome to be together uh, to celebrate. And uh, it is a time when we learn to say a lot of stuff. You know, actually, Christmas is where I first learned to say no as a parent. Some of you parents know what that's like, right? Actually, I learned to say no when I was younger. But it just seemed, for some reason, as I got older and started having kids, there's one word that kept coming out of my mouth every time we'd go to a store. No, no, no. Because the question was always what? Can I have, can I get, I want, I want, I want. And as a parent, you all learned, parents, let's try this together. We all learned to say what? No. And the kids were thinking, I hate that word. Um, because the answer was always no, 90% of the time. You know, again, Dad, can I? I want this. It was exhausting. And it made me feel bad as a parent. It really did. It got to the point where I almost started to want to give in. Because it's so hard to say no. I needed help. I needed somebody to come along and help me say the word no. And I found it. It's the no pen. See, I can write with this pen. And I can write the word no, or I can just uh, push the button that's Dad. on it, and I get a no. Um, uh, yeah, no. Okay. Um, no! See, so whatever, you know, my boys say, hey, Dad, can I? No! <laughs> hey, Dad, why don't we? No! Dad, can we? No! It saves me so much, doesn't it? There's no guilt at all. But it's actually sort of fun. Colin, go ahead and ask me what do you want for Christmas. No! I'm not even going to let you ask. That's just the way this is going to work, so... Um, to you want to go for it, Austin? I mean, you're not my son, but you can ask if you want. No, no! I gave you two no's on that no. one, and the third one, because you didn't even ask. Um, so it's been a little fun, you know, and I actually had to practice this in the store to make sure it worked. No. And people walked by were sort of wondering what I was doing, but I was just preparing for the sermon. Don't worry. No! And um, it was also fun, too, when I went up to the counter, and the lady was like, did you find everything you're looking for? And I so bad wanted to push this. <laughs> Um, but I didn't. I refrained, but um, it's so fun to, to say no, right? Okay, so aren't we glad that God didn't say no to us in giving us his son? Aren't we glad that God didn't say no in showing us his love? Because he very well could have. I mean, let's face it. We are not perfect in any means whatsoever. We blow it, we make mistakes. I do it all the time. Uh, I feel bad about maybe, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I can't believe. And God could very well looked at my sinful nature and said, no to my love for you. No to giving up my son to you. No, he could have very easily said that. And there are certain things that God has said no to. But those things that God has said no to me are things that have saved me from pain and hurt. And sometimes even when he has told me no, I go against that. And I experience that pain of disobedience. But God knows what's good for me. He knows what's good for you. So God is able to say no, but he also says yes. He says yes to so many things. And for that reason, we can give God the glory and praise. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he, what, he gave his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever, whoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. What a great gift. What a great yes from God. So when it comes to giving, we've been given an example on how to give. You don't have to worry about God saying no. God gave us his Son, Jesus Christ. How much do you think that gift cost, God? Look at the person next to you and say everything. Tell the person next to you, everything. Everything. Absolutely. It cost God everything. God came in the flesh, leaving heaven. Imagine, leaving the throne room of heaven to come to earth, to face humanity, to be one of us, to face sin, to be tempted by sin, but for him not to give in to sin, to endure shame and suffering on the cross. Bearing the weight of this world, it was an incredible price for a gift given to us, eternal life. So we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ today. We celebrate God giving us the greatest gift ever, His Son, Jesus Christ. What an incredible gift. And the same story that we read, God says, I want to show you how to give too. See, I gave the greatest thing I could give you, and I want you to learn how to give too. So if you would, turn with, you, uh, with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. It's the first book in the New Testament. And if you need a Bible, we can get one to you. Just raise your hand. We'll bring one. The guys in the back are looking for any hands. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, let's read. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star as it arose, and we've come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by the question, as was all of Jerusalem. So he called for a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah would be born, he asked them. Verse 5. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you're you're not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Well, then Herod sent a private message to the wise men asking them to come see him. At this meeting, he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for that child. And when you find him, come back to me and tell me so I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And once again, the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now here in this story, we discover a few things. We discover the story of the three wise men, or that's what we say, right? These three wise men, these three magi, and by the way, what's a magi? It was a powerful or very intelligent or great one, a person of high position and influence. So these men held a very high position. They brought a lot of attention when they came in, probably from the distant east. They think probably Persia. They were very distinguished, and when they arrived, it grew attention. When they came into town, everybody knew foreigners have come to our town Look how they're dressed. Look how they look. Look what they're bringing with them. This is different. This is special. Something's going on. And we said again, were there three? We don't know, but we do know there were three gifts. So I think that's why we always say there were three wise men, because there were three gifts. There could have been more. We don't know that exact number. And when did they arrive? Well, they arrived when Jesus was older. Jesus possibly could have been between the ages of one and two. Now, how do we come up with that? Well, we know that when they did not return to King Herod after visiting Jesus in verse 11 and 12, they went a different way, right? So King Herod's probably sitting in his palace wondering, where are those wise men at? Where have they not come back? It's been a little while. And that's when King Herod sent out the decree to kill every child ages 2 and under. So just to make sure he took rid of, uh, got rid of Jesus, let's start with age 2 and go down. And every boy was eliminated from that area. A tragedy. So we know that Jesus could have been as old as one or two, and we know this too, that when Jesus, or when the wise men came to Jesus, they didn't come to the stable. They didn't come to the manger, as we read. They came to the house where Jesus was. So it seems that we don't have a lot of detail about everything for sure, and so it leaves us with some question, but here's the main point. I think Matthew, when he wrote this, wasn't so interested in some of those, you know, how many wise men were there and how long was the trip from, from uh, the distant east, wherever that was they came from, to here. When did they first see the star and how long was the star? And what was the star exactly? Was it a planet that was shining bright? Don't have those kind of details. Maybe that's what Matthew wasn't concerned about. Maybe Matthew wanted us to see something different as he wrote this story. So as we look at this story, we know this about the wise men. They were wise enough to do three things. So if you're taking notes, here's three things you can write down. They were wise enough to seek Jesus. They, they, you know, God informed them of the birth of Jesus. They took the initiative to go, to ask questions, to journey and seek Jesus. They didn't wait for a book to be printed. They didn't wait for the publishing of this article about the birth of Jesus. They were seeking before it ever happened. They didn't wait for testimonies of somebody else. Hey, tell me what you've learned about Jesus. Tell me what's going on in your Bible study. They didn't ask everybody else, what are you learning, what are you learning, what are you learning? They're like, I want to learn. I want to seek Jesus. Before somebody else publishes the good tidings, I want to seek Jesus myself. So they were wise enough to seek Jesus, first of all. Sometimes I wonder, are we? Or are we content with just hearing everybody else's testimony? Tell me what God's doing in your life. Well, that fires me up. I'm excited to see what God's doing in your life. I'm going to read the book about somebody else and what's going on with them. Or are we ready to start seeking Jesus ourselves and see what God's going to do in our life? Here's the second thing. They were wise enough to seek information. They were digging up the information. They probably expected a king to be born in Jerusalem. That's why they went to Jerusalem. This was the town. This was the city. They ended up in herod's palace but then they discovered from there as they gathered other religious teachers of the law they all came together and they said oh no in the book of micah as we read back in the prophets that this king is going to be born in a small town of bethlehem well i'm sure these wise men looked at these religious leaders probably with a little bit of question saying if you knew this why aren't you out there you're the religious leaders you're the ones that are most excited about a messiah right Knowing this information, why are you not on foot right now traveling to find this baby? These wise men were seeking information. Here's the third thing. They were wise enough to worship Jesus when they found him. When they actually arrived, they got on bended knee. They pulled out their treasure chest and they offered him gifts. They were wise enough to, one, seek Jesus, to learn more information than to actually worship him. The question is, are we wise enough to do the same thing? To seek him, to learn more, to worship him. Matthew was interested in making sure we knew it was not the, um, just the Jews, but it was the Gentiles who came to seek Jesus, that Jesus was for all. He was also interested in what they gave to Jesus, because here's what we find in the Scripture is actually the three gifts that were given. Those are specifically mentioned. We actually have detail on what the gifts are. So as we look at them, can I have maybe one of the kids tell me what the three gifts were? Do you guys know what the three gifts were? Who knows what they are? You know one of them? What was it? Frankenstein? What? I'm just kidding. Frankincense, yep. Okay, we've got frankincense. What else? That's good. Myrrh and gold. Nice. Those are the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let me tell you about those three gifts real quick so you understand what was given to Jesus. These were his first gifts given to him that we're aware of. Gold, the Medal of Kings. That's an appropriate gift for Jesus Christ, is it not? Acknowledging his right to rule. See, if you were visiting a king, here's what you give to a king, gold. No matter what it is, as long as it has gold in it, that's an appropriate gift for a king. Archaeologists have discovered when they go into tombs of rulers or kings and uncover not just the body, but they find usually in the tomb gold surrounding that body. Gold was the gift for a king, it was appropriate. It was a confession of those who believed in Jesus that you are our ruler. So we give you this gift. The second gift was frankincense, which was used in the temple by priests for worship. So if we would come, you know, let's move it back a couple thousand years. We've gone to the temple to worship this morning. There would have been offerings given. There would have been sacrifices made. And there would have been incense that possibly could have been burning to bring an aroma, a sweet aroma of an offering to God. The high priest used those when they did these offerings. And in giving incense, they were either intentionally or unintentionally saying that Jesus Christ is our great high priest, which we read about later in the book of Hebrews. The one whose entire life was pleasing to his father. Now the third gift was myrrh. So we have gold, an appropriate gift for a ruler and a king. We have incense, one that represents that of a high priest, but then myrrh. Myrrh was actually used for the embalming of a dead body. When Jesus died and was going to be buried, Nicodemus, who bought the tomb, also bought 100 pounds of myrrh to take and use in the embalming of Jesus. Doesn't it seem sort of odd that you're going to a baby shower or you're going to visit a baby and you're going to take like myrrh to embalm a dead body? doesn't seem very appropriate, does it? take. It's like we could think of 101 things not to take to a baby shower. That'd be one of them, right? But these wise men possibly knew this, because again, they were seekers of information. If they were to read in Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 5, it says this, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him, and we looked the other way. He was despised, and we didn't care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But, listen, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be the whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Isaiah says this coming king is going to be crucified and killed and put to death for us. So, when these wise men came, probably knowing that scripture, they said, We are going to give him myrrh, what you would do at a burial, because he is going to be our savior. His death will save us. By faith, Jesus came to fulfill these words, and we know that. Jesus came to suffer for our sins, and that really symbolized the Magi's gift of myrrh gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, myrrh for that was one to die. These were the gifts of the wise men as they foretold Jesus to be the true king, the great high priest, and the supreme savior of men. The question that we have now before us is this What are we giving to Jesus today? Christmas is definitely an exciting time, isn't it? What can I get for so and so? Or maybe what am I going to get? Or I really, I've got a list of people I want to give to. And it's fun to give, and it's fun to get was we go back to scripture and we think about God loves us so much that he gave right and then he sent these wise men to give us another example of giving to the king to our savior to a great high priest it sort of says here's an example of how to do this as God's given to us we learn that Christmas is given in small ways and big ways but when you give back to God and let me help you understand this a little bit more the blessings box we have in the back we don't pass the offering plate. We've, we never have. And maybe it's because the first Sunday we ever had church was in the movie theater. That was our first Sunday service. And we're like, well, it's so hard to pass plates in the movie theater, and we really weren't going to do that. So we had a box sitting out, and We said, oh, well, that's the offering. And so we said, if you've got an offering today, put it in the box. And actually, we took that first offering, and we gave it away to some college students going on a mission trip. So the first offering came in, and we just gave it out. The first offering we had, every building that we've moved into, we've taken that first offering in that building and gave it away. The first time we met here in this building and took an offering, a blessings box, we sent that off to help those who had just suffered through a hurricane. That's what we've done with that. But that's always been that blessings box in the back. That's where we give our offering. And here's what happens When you take out of your paycheck, out of your wallet, out of your purse, out of your pocket, and you say, you know what, I'm giving money back to God, you know what you're doing? First of all, you're being obedient. You're fulfilling the commands of the scripture that tell us to do that, okay? That's the first thing you're doing. Here's the second thing you're doing. You're supporting the ministries of this church. Your gift as an act of obedience is also a reflection of God's love. So when you give, when you write a check, when you pull out cash, when you put it back there, You're being obedient, and you're saying, I'm doing what God wants me to do, and I'm reflecting his love right now so that, one, we can have a church service here. It costs money to do this. Every church that you've ever attended, they have a budget. They have money that people give to so that they can do ministry. We're no different than that. So this morning, we can have church because you give. Kids can go Wednesday night to GPS and learn more about Jesus because you give. The ministries of what we do in this church function because of your giving, because of your obedience, because of your reflection of God's love working through you. Most of you are aware that every December, we contact local school systems and we ask them, how many children do you have on reduced meal plans? And they give us a number. And we say, well, how many days in the month of December will your kids be showing up in the lunchroom to eat? And they give us that number. So we take that number of kids multiply by the number of their meal, how much it cost, by the number of days in the month, and we write a check from our church to that school system so that those children in those school systems, their parents, don't worry about paying for your school lunch this month. Use that to bless your family for Christmas. So these are families, again, on the reduced meal plan, and we started doing that with just the primary school where we first met, or second met, from the movie theater to the primary school. And over the years, that's sort of evolved. In the last few years, we've been doing six school systems. Um, we weren't able, obviously, because of the computer being down today, can't show you the pictures. But we had pictures of kids at the lunchrooms. We had some thank you notes that had been sent back to us. We wanted to share that with you. We want you to see that what you give, you're given in obedience, but you're reflecting God's love. And we're going to show you some of those pictures. Well, maybe we'll get those up next week. But from Archibald and Pettisville and Fayette, Liberty Center, Delta, And Wassian, those six school systems say thank you. Those kids who are on reduced meal plans say thank you. So, as a pastor to this church family, I say thank you. Your giving matters. It allows us to do ministry in multiple ways. Whether we give to Children's Lantern or Miracle Camp or FCA or FISH or missionaries, we give. And this year, you gave to help over 450 students that are on reduced meals. Over $2,600 given to feed these kids. Thank you for doing that. But we don't just give to the church also, right? A lot of you give in many other ways. Outside the church, you give. We're giving elsewhere. Let me read something to you from 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. The end of the world is coming soon. Again, this this is Peter, the one who walked with Jesus, okay? And this is what he says. Therefore, be earnest, be disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all... Okay, strike attention, underline that, right? Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Everybody hear that? Show deep love for each other. Why, Peter? Because Peter goes on to say, For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or place to stay. God's given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do with all the strength and energy that God supplies, and everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Peter says, you have this gift of giving and helping others? Then do it. Give, help, share, speak. Because when you do it, you reflect God's glory. You reflect his love. Giving isn't just placing money in an offering and buying expensive gifts for others, right? I hope nobody ever goes into debt just because you really wanted to impress people with Christmas gifts. I don't think that honors God. I don't think he wants us to go in debt just giving away all of our money to people Christmas, thinking, I want to really lavish upon this gift. I, I want to impress them with a gift. I don't think that's a right way to honor God. But he does say this in Scripture. Share your home. A meal, a place to stay, the gift of speaking, helping others. Do you have those gifts? Do it. Those don't cost much, do they? It's something that God's given to you. You can give away to somebody else. What can you do to show the love of God without spending a big lot of money for others? How, what can you do? We're going to do something right now. I'm going to need the help of the kids, okay? So I need about probably about 10 students to come up here, and uh, they're going to help me out here. So, we got about 10 kids. They're going to take a stack of three by fives, and they're just going to pass them down the row, okay? Just take all the RuPa boys coming up here, okay? And I saw some hands over here, right there. One, two, come up. Three, four, there we go. Just come up, yep, good. Yep, come on up, side Come on up. Yep. Now it'll work. We'll take you. You're going to take these, different groups here. You're going to take these and give it to the first person in a row, and they're just going to pass it down, okay? So the cards I give to you, that's what you're going to do. You take the cards. You go to row number two on this side. Row number three on this side. Row number four on this side. Count them back. Row number five. Here you go. Just take them to the end and hand it to them, and they'll pass it down for you, okay? There you go. And go to the first row here. Second row. Third row on this side over here. Row number four on that side. Row number five, all the way to the back, this side. Wait, this way, this way, this way, this way, way, that way. Okay, in the back row six. Just go to a row. If you've not had your hand, uh, got cards in your row, raise your hand, you guys are gonna help me out with this. You're gonna start passing out pens to everybody. Okay? And kids, once you've handed out those cards, you can come back up here and maybe grab some pens and make sure people have got pens, okay? Yeah, all the adults are gonna get a pen. Watch your head. Yep. Awesome. There you go. Do you need some more? OK. OK. All right. Take like that. All right, kids, go ahead and hand out the pen to so any adults you can find. Oh, that's all right. I've been giving out a bunch. Yeah, need some more, too. Need some more, too? All right. So every adult should have a pen and a 3x5 card who does not have a three-by-five card? You wanna go find them right there? Okay, yep. Yeah. So kids, look around. If you've got, yep, the leftover pens you can throw in back in the box. All the adults are gonna have pens, and you all take those. Straight up here, Wynn. Anybody over here need a three-by-five card? Everybody got one? All the adults got one? Junior high, senior high students, if you want to do this too, you can. Fifth, sixth grade, you want to do this too, you can. Thank you very much. As we conclude the service this morning, we're going to write down three things for me. And no, this is not your Christmas wish list. Need a pen? Okay. Boys and girls, who's got some extra pens? Here you go. I'll take these. You want to take those? Yep. Thank you. Here. You want to take some pens and head back that, that way? All right. Who needs a pen? Raise your hand. You guys need some pens? You want to do me a favor? Take those pens. Right there. Those guys need them? Pens over there? Right there. They got their hands up. Absolutely. Go. Everybody's got a pen and card? Good. Share one with her. Good. Everybody have one? You enjoying this so far? I said no. Yeah, just making sure you're awake. All right. Yes, you are. You're enjoying this. Okay, here you go. You're going to write down three things for me. Here's the first thing because What I want to do is I want to give you a challenge over the next three days, okay? Day one, day two, day three. So here's three things you can do over the next three days. Pick one to do each day. Everybody got that? I'm going to give you three things. Pick one to do tomorrow, one to do on Tuesday, and one to do on Wednesday, okay? We've been given, uh, obviously, in Scripture, the opportunity to see how God loves us and gave to us. And then he showed us the wise men and how they gave to Jesus. And we've been challenged to give. And you have given, as I said, to this church financially. And we appreciate that because we can't function if you don't. But outside the church, how can we continue to give? So I'm going to make this really practical this morning and challenge you with this. Here's, here's one way. Okay, here's the first one. You can put this day one if you want or you want to just write number one. You can do what you want. Give some time, T-I-M-E, time to someone. That's the first thing, time. Just give some time to someone. I know a lot. Of, many of us have busy schedules, and it's like, well, I didn't have time. I didn't have make time. Okay, you can be a soup kitchen. You can help somebody move. Just listen to a friend. You get to pick how and when. Remember, nothing's too small. Nothing's too big. Just give generously with your time. Okay, that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Give someone something you own or value. Something you own. Or value something that's been in your house you're like you know I really like this or this I've enjoyed having this but you might see somebody that might have a greater need for it there's something special that happens when you give up something you value for somebody else I mean you are literally putting their wants and their needs above your own and it changes you so no matter how big or small it doesn't matter if you have something really sm- small and significant, it's like, oh, but I know somebody else really likes that. Give it up. Give it up, okay? Here's the third thing. Give a little money away. Just give a little money away. Now, feel free to spice this one up. Get a little creative as to with when and how or where you're going to give your cash away. Listen, it can be a quarter for a gumball machine. It could be a handful of change in a Salvation Army bucket. It can be a coffee for the person behind you. It can be a meal for somebody sitting at a table next to you. Um, It's a little small or big. It doesn't matter. Just give a little bit of cash away somewhere on that day. There you go. Three days of giving. And we just demonstrated another way to give to you. The pen that you have in your hand. That is your pen to take home today. That's our gift to you. Okay? So now you have that, and you're like, Oh, hey, I would like another, you know, opportunity. To maybe share somebody about our church. Come up and grab a second one, okay? okay. Pastor Ben um, said yes. I can share this with you now, right? Okay. So some of you see on the back of your uh, vehicles like uh, 26.2, like you run the marathon, okay? Some of you are like, I can't run there, okay, or that far. that far. You can run the church, okay? So TNC, True North Church. Back windows of your vehicle, on your, you know, some people put on the outside of their computer, their laptop, be creative with where you want. If you would like a sticker, we've got them for you too, okay? Again, opportunity, we just want to give a gift to you so you can share God's word with others, like, what's TNC? That's the church that I worship at. Let me tell you about my church. Let me tell you why I go there is to worship God. Let me tell you what I've learned by being a part of a small group or their kids and mm-hmm. You have opportunities to open up a conversation. Three days of giving. Again, allow this to be a reminder of what you've written down. Let it create a habit of giving, okay? A way of life. More importantly, allow this to be an example of how God's love lives in you and through you as you give. Christmas is giving, as shown by God, as demonstrated by the wise man, now lived out by his people. You, all right? I want to pray for you as we continue them with this service. So let's, uh, let's bow our heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for this day that we've had so far in gathering here to sing songs, to worship you in song and scripture. And Lord, as we continue to now read scripture with Advent and to worship in song, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to come here to learn about giving. And the greatest gift was your son, Jesus Christ, and the greatest example is that you gave him to us. Lord, the question is, have we received that gift that you gave? Lord, if there's somebody in here this morning that's never received, that has never confessed with their mouth or believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, I pray, Lord, that this morning is a great time for them to right now where they're sitting to quietly pray to ask you for forgiveness, and to confess that you are Lord. What a great time to receive your gift, right now, right here. Because you love us so much, you sent your son to die for us. If we confess with our mouths, and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. So Lord, we confess our sins to you, And we ask you to take charge of our life to be our Lord. Help us, Lord, to live for you now. By the way we give, we get to reflect you. So, Lord, this week, as we take three days just to specifically do something small for somebody else, a little bit of our time, maybe something we have we want to give away, just maybe a little bit of cash, maybe a couple quarters, whatever it may be, Lord, let's get into the habit of reflecting your love by how we give and not be stingy. Thank you, God, again for how you have given to us. Let us now give back to you. In thy precious name we pray.